Before we get started, he was the face of the New York Yankees and the most admired player in baseball. The captain tells the story of Derek Jeter's life and Hall of Fame career. Catch episode three on Thursday, July 29th at 9 p.m. Eastern on ESPN and streaming on ESPN+. Also, ESPN in partnership with Peyton Manning's Omaha Productions present Make Bets, with Moxie, with betting expert Katie Mox and her merry band of gambling insiders as they preview lines, spreads, parlays, and props with personality and the kind of advice they would give themselves. That's Moxie Bets. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, guys? Welcome to a brand new episode of DC and RC. I'm Daniel Cormier. That's my man, Ryan Clark. Ryan Clark, I got to be honest, man. The show keeps getting better, but boy, what a opening. You see that opening they got for us now? We got some real ESPN stuff going now. Hey, DC, that's what happens, man, when you are a year deep and they don't cancel your show. I guess they figure it's about (laughs) time to give you a cool opening. (laughs) They finally gave us an opening, dog, because I was like, man, I didn't know that was even possible. But RC... You guys have still been doing your thing, man, working. I saw you was with Kevin Hart just last night. How's everything, my dog? Like, last week we had some great fights, as always. England, Meatball Molly, Patio, Patio Pimblet, <laughs> Patty Pimblet again, doing his thing. It's been crazy. But what has Ryan Clark been doing outside of just watching fights? Because you are ridiculous with the amount of footage that you're studying. The other day you sent me Piotr Jan fighting Uriah Faber because Piotr Jan got a fight announced. I'm like, what is this guy doing? Like, how could you watch all those fights just that much? Hey, you know what, man? Uh, one, I love it. And I hate coming on here. Like, I already know you're going to have so much knowledge and you've seen so much, man. So I have to study, but it's just fun to watch. And when you got a kid like Jordan who who loves the sport, uh, who, who told me, that, you know, if I could get punched in the face and take it, I might actually fight. I was like, son, I said, we are built that way. You know what I mean? And I was like, you got to know that the experts know a little more about this fighting game than we do. Matter of fact, like you would even say, like some of the experts or the two division champs, they cheat a little bit. Uh, you made a very bold prediction on our show last week and shortly after that bold prediction came true. Let's check it out. So you mean to tell me when you made the biggest bold prediction of the entire segment on the show, you didn't already know that Piotr Jan and Sean O'Malley were fighting on October 22nd? You didn't know that, DC? Hey, Ryan, it's like I was like the ugly kid at the the dance, and then sometimes you just shoot your shot. You know, you know the girl, the pretty girl, may not dance, but you got to shoot your shot. You have no chance if you don't shoot your shot. So when I was thinking that in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, he just fought number nine. Maybe there's a possibility he fights someone in the top five, and it just so happened that uh, you know, I got lucky. I got lucky and. Shortly after, there was a DC and RC special edition, and the Sugar Show came on the show himself in order to announce his fight with Piotr Jan. Ryan, they say every now and again, you keep getting up early in the morning, you throw your line in the water, you throw your line in the water, at some point, you're going to catch something. And I I got lucky last week, and I just love that I had an opportunity to pretend like I know what I'm talking about. Hey, man, I'm going to tell you what, bro. 
At some point, you're going to catch these hands if you keep cheating. I know the fight's not going to last very long, and I'm going to get slammed on my head and be out of here like Rose Namajunas when she was fighting Jessica Andrade. But I'm sure I'm going to try, man. If you keep cheating me, bro, I'm going to lose my mind. But look, we'll talk about this fight, and we'll talk about Abu Dhabi uh, later. But let's get a little bit into the fights this past week in London. And let's go to the heavyweight division where Tom Aspinall was fighting Curtis Blades and he has the early knee injury. When you look at the heavyweight weight division now in DC, how does Tom Aspinall's injury factor in to the total outlook of the entire weight class? You know, I I, I really believe it was unfortunate. You know, Tom Aspinall has the look and the feel of something special and it felt like he was going into the fight with Curtis Blades for us to get those questions answered that we may still have had about him. Can he wrestle? Can he stop the American wrestler? Can he handle the big guy that's going to continue to try to take him down? And then, unfortunately, he blows his knee out not even a minute into the fight. Does it change much in the heavyweight landscape? Not necessarily, because it's not like if Tom Aspinall won, he would be immediately in line for a title fight. I think that honor is going to go to the winner of John Jones and Stipe Miocic. But it does put a very hot prospect on the sidelines for a long time. But it also reintroduces Curtis Blades to the top of the division. Curtis Blades is in a very unique situation because he has lost to the champion Francis Ngannou twice. So you wonder how in the world does Curtis Blades finally find his way into a championship opportunity. One, he needs some change at the top of the division. And two, he needs to win again. Because for as big of a victory as that was for him, it doesn't do much because of the way that it happened. You know, two guys two weeks in a row have had to deal with unfortunate finishes in big spots. And I think that to a lesser degree than Yair Rodriguez a couple weeks ago, Curtis Blades finds himself in that same position. Yeah, but I think when you when you look at this fight and what it was supposed to be, Tom Aspinall has been on a meteoric rise, and that's why he had the Curtis Blades fight. It almost seems like he would have been kind of in that tie to a Vasa place where he could move up, be in contention, be the young fighter, the young, exciting guy who was you know beating some of the OGs. When you think about Curtis Blades, and you kind of mentioned the only ways that he could get back in to championship contention, then that's whether, you know, Stipe and, and John fight, or if, if Cyril Gan finally has a fight and you get an opportunity uh, to, you know, to fight him if he wins, should Curtis Blades be waiting on Tom Aspinall to heal up, rehab, recover, and allow these guys to run it back so he can show that he can win a fight against a fast up-and-comer like Tom Aspinall? No, I don't think so, Ryan. I don't think he needs to. I think he needs to go past this because Curtis Blades has been given a gift. John Jones is arguing with him on social media right now. And as you know, and as the world turns, just like the stories from back in the day, you know everybody watched the stories growing up in Louisiana. They don't know They don't know and it's as, the stories. It's, it's soap operas oh, to people who don't know what the operas, stories are. Yeah, people who don't know <laughs> what the stories is. In Louisiana, our people watched it called them stories. <laughs> yeah. But the soap operas, as the world turns, the more gossip you can get, the more your name is in the media by these big names like a John Jones, you don't look back to Tom Aspinall, a guy that's on the rise. If you're Curtis Blades, you target Jones because what he said wasn't that bad about Jones, but Jones took it negatively. So now he should go out and say something real negative about John Jones so that Jones has something to be mad about so that when he keeps talking about Curtis Blades, 
Curtis stays at the front of people's mind and memory, and then he will find himself in one of those big spots where he can have an opportunity to have that breakout performance, turn him into a star in the heavyweight division, but also a star in the UFC. Now, a guy, Ryan, that is a star, even though he's very short on experience in the octagon and very few fights and octagon appearances, is Paddy Pimblett. Yeah. You know, every time they take him over to London, the crowd is out of their minds. Him and Molly McCann have become the most fun couple of friends that yes. we have ever seen inside of the octagon. He goes in there against Jordan Levitt the other day. He not only wins, he submits Jordan Levitt, where many people thought that Jordan Levitt had the, the advantage because he's the grappler. He gets up there and he twerks on Jordan Levitt. <laughs> and then <laughs> it's like the, the ball is just continuing to roll for Patty Pimlin. So when you look at him, it's like, what's his ceiling? What's his ceiling in this division? Well, I think I think Patty Pimblett, and, and 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 I can't say this from the the talent level of what we've seen in the octagon. He still has to grow there. Obviously, when you get in a fight or or you fight Jordan Levitt and you basically submit the submitter, I mean that that's a huge win for Patty Pimblett. Now the twerk at the end that really wasn't it. But you know, Patty from <laughs> London, maybe they don't have they didn't have BET late night over there or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but when you think about where where Patty Pimblett is and positioning himself from popularity, he's one of the more popular fighters in the UFC already. His 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 fan base is continually growing and he's showing us consistent skill within the octagon, whether it's the wind on his feet like we saw in his debut after he comes back from being a little stoned early on in the round, uh, the submission in his last fight, and now gets the submission in the second round when he was kind of controlled by Jordan Levitt, who is obviously a great, a great grappler. Patty Pimblett has championship material. He has a championship foundation. Patty Pimblett has a superstar Personality. What Patty Pimblett yeah. said after this fight was not only tone aware, but it was empathetic, it was unselfish, and it was the kind of things I believe UFC champions and champions in general are made of. He was able to step outside of himself and anything he had prepared and focus on a friend, focus on real life, and deliver a message to the world that needed to be delivered. And delivered, and I thought it was amazing, along with a great fight and a great submission. Well, to recognize that, right, Ryan? To recognize that in that moment with all that adrenaline, in order to come down and be human. Yes. Right? Because... When you win a fight, you feel like a superhero. It's like getting a big hit in football where you just deplete somebody, which is really not allowed anymore in today's NFL. When you hit somebody and you knock them out of their cleats, you feel like a superhero until you get put on your butt the next time. Yep. It's the same thing with winning a fight. You want to yell and scream at the top of your, your lungs. You want to make a statement. You want to say something that's impactful. Patty Pimlet said something impactful, but he said it on a different level on a human level. And for him to recognize and take that moment to do that really spoke to who he is and really spoke to his awareness of delivering something special at the right time. Because he could have got out there and did what Connor always did. We're not here to take old part. We're here to take old. Making those little catchphrasy things, but instead he delivered a message that meant something after having a performance like that. And I saw payouts, and I don't know if these are real payouts, but I saw payouts the other day and it said Patty made seven hundred grand. 
If Patty made seven hundred grand in as few octagon appearances as he's had, that tells me why he's saying I'll fight anybody the UFC puts in front of me. Because you remember for a while it was I want to fight the right fights at the right time. Now he says he's ready to fight anyone, and that's phenomenal for the future prospects of a guy like Patty Pimblett. Now his best friend, Molly McCann. Meatball Molly. You know what I told I told somebody this today. I have this great wrestling analogy for it. It was like when a guy that has been wrestling at the mid-card level for a long time never becomes the, the world champion. A Dolph Ziggler, a Rey Mysterio was yeah. like a little guy. I always thought of as a cruiserweight. And then he becomes the heavyweight champion where he gets elevated. What the UFC has done with Molly McCann in terms of matchmaking, finding the right fights, putting her in front of the right people, they have taken that mid-card fighter and almost elevated levels because now she has the second most wins in, in UFC flyweight women's mm -hmm. history. She is knocking people out. She's fun. There has never been more buzz about Molly McCann and she did the same thing the other day against Hannah Goldie and what a lot of people don't recognize is Hannah Goldie was literally tailor-made for her to do that. Now I mean look Molly McCann <laughs> is now telling The Rock <laughs> that she needs to borrow the people's elbow, and then she gets a response from The Rock. Yeah. Bro, it's it's the and now she got the rub. It is the most wrestling thing that I've ever seen in the UFC because now Meatball Molly, who is a good fighter, seems as though she's a superstar. Well, you know what's you know what's crazy, DC. I, you know, if you think back in the day, right? Let's remember uh, what was it, Rocky Three, I believe, and it's it's Hulk Hogan and Rocky, and they're doing this this yeah. charity fight, and Hulk Hogan's taking it super seriously, and we're supposed to believe that Rocky is a heavyweight, but he's five foot eight, 160 pounds, and Hulk Hogan is tower, towering over him in this charity fight, and that was when boxing was the big thing, and so it was also equated to wrestling. UFC has moved into that space. When you look at what Conor McGregor was able to do, obviously Ronda Rousey and her crossing over into it. Uh, you could think it, you know, it started with Brock Lesnar and him coming, you know, going from WWE or going from wrestling and coming into the heavyweight division in the UFC. And they've learned from those personalities, right? They, they've learned that if, if I fight well, if I win in emphatic fashion, but I'm also a personality, I can become a star. It, it, it was about, you know, back in the day, it was about great jujitsu or it was about excellent grappling and front kicks. But now it's about being able to build fights, being able to build fan bases and have people invested in what you do. Whether you win or lose, you want people to be invested in it. When we were in Phoenix, Patty Pimblett and, and Meatball Molly were together. They took a picture with my son. My son posted that picture 14 times this weekend in anticipation of this fight. And he called them the homies on Instagram. And I think that's what they, they have connected. And when you look at the way she's finished her last two fights, the excitement, then the friendship between her and Patty Pimblett, I believe she's building something that's sustainable from a personality standpoint. And now as she continues to grow, as she continues to become a better fighter, and they pick the right opponents for, for her, sky's truly the limit for this duo and for Patty Pimblett, but obviously for Molly McCann. You know what's you know what you just said that was so key, RC is the is the emotional connection you make to the fans and the personality. Because when you become a personality, the wins and losses matter are much less. Yes. Because we have seen that with a number of people. And one of those people that 
wins and losses don't seem to matter as much to is Nathan Diaz, right? Yeah. And Meatball Molly is kind of trending in that direction. But when you talk about Nathan Diaz, right, it seems like he's on his way out of the UFC. And in classic fight fashion, this isn't just UFC fashion. This is this is fight fashion. This is sports entertainment fashion. You do the job on the way out, right? So when a guy is leaving a company, and they usually want you to leave on a loss. Bret Hart with that Montreal school job back in the day was supposed to drop the title, didn't want to do it, spit on Vince McMahon because he's going to WCW. Now Vince, now uh, Nate Diaz is going to leave the UFC. He's going to go to be someone else's commodity. They match him up with Hanza Chimaev because in reality, Nate Diaz is supposed to lose to Hamza Chimaev. When you look at this fight, and, and Nate's going to be mad at you because you're going to say something that has to be honestly what most people feel. When you look at this fight, Ryan, is this as big a mismatch as it seems to be on the surface? No, DC, it's actually, it's actually not. I... Obviously, you 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 want to remember this air Hamzat Chemaev had before he fought uh, before he fought Gilbert, right? Gilbert Burns, and that was an excellent fight. And I think what that fight proved, I actually just watched that again. And one of the tweets from Teddy Atlas was, "We know what he has on the outside," and I think it was in parentheses, "talent." Now we know what Hamzat Chemaev has on the inside. It also wiped away a little bit of his invincibility. And let's not act like Nathan Diaz wasn't just in the octagon with Leon Edwards. No, he didn't win that fight. I mean, he got the, you know, the punch in the fifth round. But if you watch that fight, as it goes on, Nathan Diaz begins to outstrike Leon Edwards. And so do I think Hamza Chemaev is going to win? Absolutely. Do I think he's going to rely on on wrestling and, and, and ground and pound and try to physically overwhelm him? Absolutely. And I believe it will happen. But it's something about Nathan Diaz that makes me feel like, you know what? He's not going to get dominated. He's not going to go out there and embarrass himself. He can be in this fight for two, three rounds. And so do I think Hamza Chemaev wins? Yes, but when I'm looking at Nathan Diaz, I don't bet against him to go down quietly to just let this happen. You know what, RC? I don't believe that Nate will go down quietly. But I just think that at this point in their careers, Nate is on a different path than Hamza Chimaev because Nate will tell you that there's still championship aspirations because he's a fighter and he's as tough as they come. But when you look at what he has done recently – you can't just say Nate Diaz is, is in title contention. Popularity-wise, sure. Right. But in terms of what he has put on paper in regards to his his fighting, you can't say that. Hamzat is every bit of what you would expect a soon-to-be title challenger to be. And if he gets past Nate Diaz, which will be his biggest win to date, even though the Gilbert Burns fight was fun, it will not be as valuable as a win over Nathan Diaz, then you got to expect that he will fight Kamaru Usman next. This kid is 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 dangerous. He has a ton of power. And like you said, what we saw in the Gilbert Burns fight is that he's tough. He's not going to give up on himself. So maybe he seemed as though he wasn't as dominant in that fight, but we saw him against another guy that's right at the top of the division, go through the fire, and not only win, 
but winning what can be considered one of the best fights that we've seen all year. So I just think that these guys are at different points in their careers right now. And I, I do believe it's a mismatch. And Nate's going to say something to me, but I hope he understands that I'm doing my job, you know. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not saying it's not a, a mismatch, DC. I'm not saying that Hamzat Chemaev isn't a better fighter than Nate, a fighter that's in his prime when Nathan Diaz no longer is. But I, and maybe that was my fault, I kind of made the mistake going into <laughs> the Gilbert Burns fight of like, this dude's indestructible. And then, yeah. you know, you got to see, he's a man. He's a man. He bleeds too. You cut him, Rock. <laughs> and, you know, and so... You know, and so when, when, when I look at it, I, I, I don't just, I, I don't know if, I don't think this goes like his first three fights went before we got to yeah. see him in the octagon against against Gilbert Burns. I believe that Nathan comes out with pride. Nathan Diaz comes out believing that he's been set up to lose before he wins, before he leaves. And that's what the, the, the Dana Whites and the head execs at the UFC are thinking, but another fight that many people are starting to talk about DC like it is a mismatch was announced on this show. I got an opportunity to talk to the Sugar Show, the Sugar Show last week, and Sean O'Malley uh, broke the news that he'll be fighting Piotr Jan on October 22nd in Abu Dhabi, which turned out to be a stacked card. But I'm thinking about some of the things the experts are saying, and I'm looking at at Twitter, and you know, even the fans are like, "Don't be a casual RC." Piotr Jan's gonna <laughs> tear Sean O'Malley limb from limb. I told you I just watched, you know, Piotr Jan and Uriah Faber this weekend, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, it was a massacre." When you heard that this was the matchup that was made. For Sugar Sean's next fight after a no contest against Pedro Munoz, what was your first thought? So, my first thought was I was on a plane and I got a call from our producer that said, Sean O'Malley's going to come on the show. Do you guys want to talk to him? And I'm like, well, what's going on? 
they go, well, he's going to fight Piotr Jan. And I was like, oh, my goodness. So I had an uh, like an out loud reaction on the plane because, like I said, for the first time I was hearing that Sean O'Malley was fighting Piotr Jan. And I thought to myself, wow, brave, very brave. The kid's a fighter's fighter. He'll fight anyone. Then I started thinking about the matchup. Why would Sean O'Malley fight Piotr Jan at this point? I think to myself, he feels he has advantages in certain areas. One. He's longer. Two, Piotr yeah. Jan's a boxer. Sean O'Malley's a boxer. He's probably thinking to himself, this is the most manageable matchup for me in the top five. Because when you look at what the other guys in the division ranked highly like this do, you would imagine or believe that they're nightmare matchups for Sean O'Malley. But when you look at the difference in height, right, four inches in height, five inches in reach, Sean O'Malley's probably thinking to himself, if there's a guy in this division, in the upper echelon of the ranked fighters that I feel I match up well with, it's Piotrion. Here's another factor in this matchup that I wouldn't say it plays to Sean's advantage, but it makes it a little bit better for him, is that this isn't five rounds. We have seen Piotrion start yeah, slow. start slow. Early, yep, and then calculate his way through the later rounds and then dominate. You can't start slow in a 15-minute fight. So maybe he takes more risk, and Sean and his coaches look at that and go, hey, that gives me more opportunities to get at this dude. So it's a good fight. It's a very important fight. It's a great fight. Will I still favor Piotr Jan as of today? Yes, absolutely. But I do believe there are a lot of factors as which, and it explains why Sean O'Malley was open to this one. Bro, Piotr Jan is an apex Predator. I'm talking about I, a I natural born hunter. And listen, and I love Sean O'Malley. You know, I love the Sugar Show. I am nervous, DC. I, I I felt like this was a very big jump for a fighter. It seemed the UFC had a plan to continue to slowly build. And to only get, you know, what, a round and a half against Pedro Munoz and have it end in a, a, a no contest. And then you're talking about guys in the top five. Um, you know, Corey Sanhagen. You know, I like to, you can see that. You know, uh, running back Cheeto Vera. You know, like those fights. And obviously they have guys lined up. Just jump in there with Piotr Jan. I think that is very, very difficult. And, you know, Sean O'Malley believes in his stand-up. He believes in his striking, thinks he's one of the best strikers, most efficient strikers in the fight game and in, in the UFC. I think this is a very difficult matchup, and I will be interested to see how he approaches the early rounds knowing that Piotr Jan is a slow starter. But once he gets going, DC, he gets <laughs> freaking going. And here's the, here's the thing that I'd be nervous about. When someone as good as Piotr Jan has has as as uncharacteristic of a performance as he had against Aldermaine Sterling, I tend to yep. think you don't want to be the next dot guy to get the refocused Piotr Jan. That's a great point. That's actually a really good point because that was a bit uncharacteristic what he showed us in Jacksonville. It wasn't the guy that we had come to expect that got a little bit tired, that got overwhelmed as the fight went long. It, it was a step in the opposite direction of everything we've come to expect from Piotr Jan. But like I said, I just think that these guys in the matchup makes it very, very fun. And it speaks to who Sean O'Malley is 
as an athlete. But, Ryan, let's take a look at that UFC 280 card. It is absolutely stacked. This is why the UFC and the great people Woo-hoo. of Abu Dhabi got in the business. You got Makashev Oliveira, Aljamain Dillashaw, you got Yano O'Malley, you got Bilal Muhammad versus Sean Brady, and Mateos Gamrot gets a chance to fight Benil Daryush, who was in the number one contenders fight with Islam Makashev. This fight card is going to be absolutely bananas. But, Ryan, before we can get to UFC 280, we got to deal with UFC 277 this weekend. We are going yeah. into the Juliana Pena versus Amanda Nunes rematch. Now, I say Juliana first because if you know Juliana, she's the champ. You put her second as if she – you know, if you don't give Juliana your, her respect, you she's going to get at you like she got at you. She got at you right away, dog. She's like, yo, I know what you said. On the pivot, she was like – right away, dog. She was two minutes into the interview, and she went right for your neck. She was like, I know you said that I was going to lose, and I know all this other stuff. Juliana Pena is the champ. She defends against Amanda Nunes this weekend. Here's the thing, though. She's going into this fight again as a massive underdog because so many people believe that that was a bump in the road for the champ Amanda Nunes and that she's going to recrown the championship this weekend against Juliana Pena. The question is, though, can Juliana Pena replicate what she is going to do uh, this what she can do this weekend as she did before. Dude, she's plus she's plus six fifty uh, going into the first fight. I would love to see the odds going into this weekend because I'd imagine she's just another massive underdog. She's less than three to one, right? But she's still an underdog to Amanda Nunes to lose again. Can she replicate that though? Can she recreate what she did in December, being that Amanda has been through it with her before? You know what? I I believe that she can. I mean, when you look at Juliana Pena and the way that she carries herself, the way that she understands the fight game, in watching The Ultimate Fighter, I gained more respect for who she was and who she is. To to see the way she coaches her fighters while they're in the midst of everything, telling, you know, step over, you know, underhooks, you know, you use your head, head placement. She she's such a master of the techniques. And that brings me back to what she said before the first fight. She not only beat Amanda Nunes, she knew how she was going to beat her. She basically called her shot. And that lets me know that from a mental standpoint, she's on a different level. Not necessarily a different level than Amanda Nunes, but on a championship level mindset. Now, but here's the other piece. Amanda Nunes is the GOAT. Amanda Nunes is the greatest female fighter of all time. And the one thing I she know is. about the the Daniel the 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 Daniel Cormiers of the world, the George St. Pierre's of the world is it's about pride. It's about the yep. the the love and the respect that you had for the championship belt. And now she's lost it. And that hunger is back. Is Amanda Nunes going to continue to walk into jabs like she did the second round? I don't think so. Is, is Amanda Nunez going to punch herself out and wear herself out and allow Juliana Pena to take her down? I don't think so. So I believe Juliana is going to have to mix some things up, do some things differently. And if she wins this fight, it's going to be because she won it in the deep water of the championship rounds. I think that Amanda Nunez has made a lot of changes to her preparation. I think Amanda Nunez's big mistake in fight number one was that she expected She expected what was going to happen. The one thing you learn in fighting is nothing's expected. 
You got to go out there and you got to navigate your way through a championship fight. So when she beat Felicia Spencer and it looked like a sparring match, she was able to say, you know what? I'm not going to get this girl out of here. I'm going to adjust and go down the path. She could not have expected to knock out Chris Cyborg in the way that she did. Because if she did, the fight would not have gone the way that she had planned it. She expected to run through Juliana Pena. And when what was expected didn't happen, you could see the panic on her face immediately. She was like, yeah. oh, my goodness. Yeah. I have not been in here with anyone like this for a really long time. Yes. And because she expected yeah. and it, it went away from her expected plan, she did not know how to deal with what was going on. I don't think she will expect this weekend. I think she will go in there prepared, ready to fight. Does that mean she's going to win? I'm not necessarily sure. I think that the matchup itself is what could be a problem for the former champion, Amanda Nunes, because Juliana is so tough. But, bro, it's a, it, it's a hard ask to get past Amanda Nunes twice. But if there's anyone that could do it, it's Juliana Pena. I'm excited about Dallas, man. This, this fight right here produced probably the most iconic reaction that we have ever had next to the Octagon. Yeah. D. Rogan and yeah. like We were going yeah. crazy watching it because you could not believe that you were watching Juliana do exactly what she said she was going to do. I can't wait to get to Dallas. Yeah, I mean, and that's what was that was what was crazy, DC. I was actually in Atlanta at a after a wedding reception, watching it on my <laughs> phone because I, I was like I couldn't miss it. I had to watch it live, and and I'm sitting there, and Yank, my wife, is next to me, and she's like, "Wait, she beat her," and <laughs> that was the you. shock. My that was the shock my wife had is she's not even into the UFC the way I am. And so I'm very excited about this fight. But DC, as someone who has won the championship, lost the belt, and is fighting to get it back, how does or does Amanda have that same motivation and that hunger that you have before you win it? And does, does losing reinvigorate her? It's more. It's actually more, R.C. She's more motivated today than she's ever been. Because once you know that someone can best you, you give more effort in the preparation to trying to ensure that it doesn't happen again. Now, I have never been in better shape physically, mentally, and ready when I fought John Jones the second time. Because he beat me the first time. And it's all I knew was that one loss. And that one loss, I was so prepared to go and try to right that wrong. I could only imagine that that's what Amanda Nunez's last 12 weeks have looked like. Her life has been consumed by beating Juliana Pena. She will make herself in better shape. She'll be in much better shape. Her cardio will be on point. We obviously know she possesses the knockout power and all that. But she will not have left no stone unturned as she has prepared to try and beat a woman that she knows can beat her on her best night. Now, was Amanda's best night? No. Can Juliana beat Amanda on both of their best night? And I think if they both show up Saturday ready to go, then we have to, that question will be answered uh, between the two. It's going to be a fun fight, man. I, I can't wait. The energy in Dallas is going to be crazy because now you know that Juliana has a chance because for so long it seemed like nobody yeah. was ever going to beat Amanda. I, I, I think that's the key, D.C., we know that Juliana has a chance. And she has she has more than a chance. She actually has the skills and the capabilities to win. And I think that's what makes it even more exciting, but also 
what tells me we'll probably get one of the best Amanda Nunez's we've seen in a long time, and we've seen some absolute greats from her. But in the co-main event, we have Brandon Moreno and Kai Cara France in a fight that, I mean, listen, I can't wait for it. And and, and we've gotten to see Davison Figueredo and Brandon Moreno, and we were wondering if we were going to see it again. But I believe this is a great matchup of fighters, two dudes that are popular, two dudes that are hot. Obviously, Brandon Moreno loses to Davison Figueredo in the last fight. But I'm excited to see this one, DC. When you look at this from, uh, let's, think, let's take a detail kind of standpoint. When you look at yeah, it yeah. from a technique standpoint or, or stylistic matchup, how do you see this playing out, and who has the upper hand? I think it's I think it's a fun fight, right? So we've seen these two fight before. Obviously, these guys have matched up before with uh, Brandon Moreno winning the fight. I believe I'm not exactly sure. Uh, I think uh, Moreno won the first time. So we've seen uh, these guys compete before, but what we haven't seen is this new Kai Car France, this guy that fights yeah. with so much confidence, the guy that seems to be carrying more power than we ever could have expected yes. from uh, from, from Kai Car France. What he did to Cody Garbrandt was crazy. You know, we have seen crazy. this dude fight guys and lose. We've seen Kai Car France at times look confused. We saw it against Brandon Royval. But if he fought Brandon Royval again today, I would think that Kai Car France would win that fight. But to me, the question in this matchup is, what in the heck did Davison Figueredo do to somebody to have an interim title fight five months down the line. This dude must have pissed some people off in some really high positions for these guys to be fighting for an interim title because he just yeah. won that belt back in March. I think they wanted him and Moreno to fight again. It obviously didn't happen. But when I look at the matchup, it's fun. Two very solid fighters, two really good stand-up fighters, and uh, a, a new champion will be crowned. And if Moreno gets the belt, if he wins this interim title, it will feel very real because there was a big portion of fans that felt like he had beaten Davison Figueredo in Los Angeles. Yeah. So it won't feel as odd as Cyril Gunn's interim title felt whenever Francis had just won the belt. I also think when you look at Brandon Moreno, it's a dude that you can't help but like. Uh, it's, it's, it's an underdog story turned absolute monster and, and champion. And the fight with Davidson Figueredo was so close. All the fights, well, the, the, the first and the last fight were so close that anybody could say, this guy deserves to be the champion. And so when you're fighting the new Kai Kawa France, the guy that absolutely put Cody Garbrandt to sleep, I think he'll come in prepared, he'll come in ready, and he'll be ready to have that belt again in what I think is going to be an absolute barn burner. But DC, We've done enough yeah. of this show without getting to hear Jake from the God Mike. So we're about to tap in and tap out. Yep, you know what go. time it is. Corporate Jake, take it over. All right, guys. Earlier this week, a new MMA rule proposal was brought to the Association of Boxing Commissions. This new rule would give fighters five minutes to recover from an eye poke, much like they get following a low blow. DC, tap in or tap out on this proposed rule change. I tap in. I absolutely tap in because... In a lot of instances, the eye poke is even worse than the cup check when a guy hits you low below the belt or a girl gets hit below the belt. I absolutely tap in. I think when you get eye poked, you need time to recover, and you're not rushed to make a decision that if you tell the official right away, I mean, then I can't really see, 
the ringside position says fight's over and it's done. Give them five minutes. Let them figure out if they can continue to go. Absolutely tap in. No, I agree. I tap in on this as well. When you think about uh, some of the eye pokes we've seen recently, you know, most recently, Pedro Munoz, it looked like he would not have been able to fight when you see his picture the next morning, but to give him the time to truly recover. And I think sometimes as the time wears on and you start to see a little bit, some of these fighters, some of these guys will understand if you give me a couple more minutes, I'll be ready to go and we can see some of these fights continue. All right, guys, this coming weekend, WWE Hall of Famer Ric Flair will be wrestling in his final match of his illustrious career, a career that spanned 50-plus years and included 16 world championships. So, RC, tap in or tap out that the Nature Boy was the greatest entertainer in wrestling history. I absolutely tap in. And, and here's why I tap in. I feel like we've seen so much of Ric Flair and the rest of our stars and the rest of our champions. And maybe, you know, maybe they not the gold chain wearing Rolex flossing two stepping <laughs> fur coat. Maybe they're not giving us that, but it's all a different form of things. We saw Ric Flair make extremely popular. And all I'm going to say is this, when the Migos got a rap song about you, you have done a lot inside that ring. <laughs> You absolutely have. And, and I agree with entertainer because Jake, and you'll appreciate this, Jake and Ryan, both you guys are both wrestling guys. When Ric Flair came to the WWE in 1992, he's already over 40 years old. They put the strap on him yeah. right away. I think he was 43 years old. He's already in his mid 40s, early 40s, and they're making him the champion. And still today in 2022, no matter where he goes, he is as recognizable and as relevant as he was mm -hmm. way back in the 80s and the 90s. I mean, this dude was on your podcast. He was on the pivot with you guys because you recognize that you put Ric Flair up there. People will tune in to hear his stories. The guy's an absolute legend. I, I wish his last match would have been when Shawn Michaels beat him. Let's not string it along because I'm sure it's going to be a bad match next weekend. But Ric Flair is the greatest entertainer of all time. Corporate Jake. All right, guys, here's a fun one. At Nerd Gaethje tweeted out, it's hard to explain to non-combat sports fans that the dude on the left, Daniel Cormier, would absolutely destroy the dude <laughs> on the right, Mike Tyson, if they ever had a one-on-one -on -one street fight. So, RC, tap in or tap out that our own DC could take Tyson in a street fight. Uh, I'm tapping out on answering, period. Um, and here's why. Uh, one, I understand that street fights involve a lot of things and that DC is actually yeah. a lot meaner than he looks and he can wrestle and do some things. I'm uh -huh. also more scared of current Tyson than I am <laughs> of Daniel Cormier. And so I'm not going to give an answer that might be factually untrue. And I'm also not going to give an answer that might get me beat up in real life. I hey. abstain from making an answer. And you know what, though, Ryan? I'm going to tell you this right now. I tap in. Because in the street fight, I'm wrestling everybody. And I'm, hey, I'm wrestling to the ground. I'm wrestling exactly. everybody to the ground, RC. And in the street fight, you grab bottles. You can use everything. But RC, more than the fight, because I love Mike. I'm not – Mike is my boy. I would never raise a finger to harm Mike Tyson. And the only reason they say that is because I'm a little bit jolly. But why don't you pull that picture back up, RC, of me on the scale with that chain? I know you saw my bling out there, RC. Like, <laughs> I, gotta, I look at that, RC. I mean, I was just flossing out there. <laughs> the boy, I don't even wear that, RC. I don't even wear that no more. It's like these are sometimes you get DC. these things that you never even use anymore.
Hey, DC, you look like little Daniel at the Hall of Fame right there. Oh, you all yeah, iced hey, up, you know, bro. That's why. Hey. You know, little Dan got his little Dan went his for a long time. I'm 43 years old now, RC. I show up with that, people gonna start laughing at me. I ain't putting that ever on in my life again. <laughs> hey, listen, right there, though, that was D.C. that was still in the middle of it, man. You were still ready to go. You were on the come up. That was your little Ric Flair touch while you were. Um, no, what's, what, what's even funnier is what's even funnier is we know that wasn't the official way in because you can't have a chain on at an official way in. <laughs> or at least that must have been heavyweight because there ain't no way you had a chain on, bro. <laughs> it was heavyweight. Brother, it was, it was good to be back with you, man. you not. <laughs> Yeah, at, two, at 205, you pushing on the towel, man. <laughs> hey, listen, man, we love the show. <laughs> Great to be back with you, DC. That is two-division champion. Hall of Famer, Daniel Cormier. I'm your boy, RC. It was great to be back with you. So many exciting fights coming up. We will see you at the UFC 277. Tap in with us wherever you get your podcast and on ESPN2. 